A fair warning, ladies and gentlemen, everyone else in between. This podcast is going to be very, very spoiler heavy and is going to be very, very different from the normal podcast that you're used to on this channel. So this will be about a movie that just came out once upon a time in Hollywood. You will be hearing from your podcast host about it and it will be a whole new series that he's doing. So please give him some slack on this. This is his first time doing something like this. So bear with him. There will be spoilers ahead. If you want to just skip this review or you want to skip to the end where he'll give his final thoughts on a rating, you go right ahead. You do so. You skip to the end if you have to. But that's how it's going to be. He will do so. And here we go in five, four, three, two, and one. Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen and everyone else in between. This is Scott Betson, and I'm reporting to you live from Vancouver, downtown Vancouver. I just came out of the Broad Scotiabank Theater, and I just saw the greatest movie I've ever seen this year. And that is Quentin Tarantino's ninth film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This movie, I kid you not, was incredible. I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. I absolutely, incredibly loved it. But wait, isn't this meant to be a new podcast? Yes, it is. This is going to be episode one of what I'm going to call the Midnight Movie Confessionals. I will be your host, your priest, or whatever you want to call me for this podcast. And this will be airing live the night I perform this podcast. This podcast is not sponsored. But it'd be nice to be sponsored, but that's different. This will be very spoiler heavy, so you have been warned in the pro in the pre in the beginning of this episode. So, yeah, this is Midnight Movie Confessionals episode one. Once upon a time in Hollywood. This is going to be about the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that stars that's directed by Quentin Tarantino. His ninth film. It is starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, Margot Robbie, Emil Hirsch. Timothy Oliphant, Margaret Qualley, I don't know who that is, Julia Butters, Austin Butler, sorry, Dakota Fanning, Bruce Dern, Mike Moe, Luke Perry, Demi Lewis, Al Pacino, and also starring, yet as well as narrating, Kurt Russell. This just came out today on July 26, 2019. It had a release date on May 21st, 2019 in Cannes, and it will be a couple weeks from now released in the United Kingdom. And this was announced back in July 2017. It was the first not to be with Harvey Weinstein, which, or even after he, like after Tarantino cut ties with the Weinstein company after the whole crap that happened with Harvey. We're not going to really uh, talk about that, honestly. And um, more or less, this also has a few others like Zoe Bell as well, who's also in this movie. She doesn't have much of a big role. She's kind of a small cameo appearance, but that's fine. Not a big deal. And um, this is also the last movie to ever feature Luke Perry before he died in two th- like earlier this year. But that's okay. But like I mentioned, it is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It is um, set in the 1960s. It is basically Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt going on an incredible epic odyssey to make a name for themselves in the Hollywood industry. And this was originally going to be more about Charles Manson and the Sharon Tate murders. Originally, from what I remember with Tarantino deciding to make this back in 2016, if I recall correctly. Or it was 2017. I don't really remember. But I know 
he had this idea for a long time, and this is going to be probably one of his final films. I know I loved it, and if anyone else is a Quentin Tarantino fanatic, they're also going to love it, but let's go into a little bit of a brief detail about Tarantino, shall we? Quentin Tarantino, he's a big-time film director. He started with a short film that he tried to make, but part of it has been cut, like lost. There's a lot of footage that's lost of it. That was 1987. That was my best friend's birthday. He starred in it, directed it. But no one really counts that movie as a part of his filmography. His real filmography starts in 1992 with the smash hit Reservoir Dogs. The next comes the Candor winner, the most acclaimed film in 1994, that holiday season, Pulp Fiction. Then the book to film adaptation of Rum Punch, Miss Jackie Brown in 1997. Then he comes back with a huge tour de force of two movies back to back, basically. Kill Bill Volumes 1 and 2. And then with that, he helped out with his best friend, Robert Rodriguez. This is uh, idea, because they both liked this whole idea. But basically, they decided to make Grindhouse. His, uh, his interpretation of Grindhouse was a movie called Death Proof. Both films, Planet Terror and Death Proof, were released in 2007, if I recall correctly, as a double feature in theaters. And then they were released separately on DVD and Blu-ray and everything else, and they were combined yet again as a, a box set, I guess, as a two-thing, whatever. But later on, 2009 comes around, we get Inglorious Bastards. Basically a movie about Jews hunting Nazis in occupied France. And then came 2012's Django Unchained, one of his biggest movies he's ever made that got really well acclaimed, everything. And then he came out with the Roadshow epic, The Hateful Eight. And that was also pretty incredible, too. I have a bit of a brief history on that one, but that one is one of his longest he's ever made in his life. About three hours and seven minutes, but that is for the Roadshow version. And the Roadshow version was in Ultra, Pan like Ultra, Panavision, Ultra Panavision 70 millimeter. Well, seven, 70 millimeter Ultra Panavision. Panav yeah, Panavision. But that's beside the fact. That movie, great. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about basically the movie that Tarantino's had in a long time. It was set in 1969, L.A. with Rick Dalton, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, former star of a 1950s Western television series called Bounty Law, who finds his career faltering due to ongoing alcoholism issues with um, his, stunt his uh, best friend and his stunt double, Cliff Booth, who also knows that his career is over, but both... Well, Booth is also a war veteran who lives in a derelict tra trailer next to the Van Nuys Drive-In Theater. And he attempts to help Rick Dalton's confidence. Well, next door to him lives Roman Polanski and Sharon Tate, who just moved into their home next door to um, Rick. And Dalton hopes to befriend both Polanski and Sharon, but we'll come to that later on in the movie. More or less, Rick has done some movies where he's uh, doing a uh, 1944 like war epic of sorts where he's basically using a flamethrower to exter exterminate some of the Nazi party and he's found himself on the show Bounty Law and when he decided to try and go and bust into a film career, he uh, finds his career kind of faltering and that's why he's kind of just doing what he's doing again 
and he's deciding to just kind of go with the flow and just bam, 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 bam with everything he does. And quite frankly, he does well with it, if I'm honest. He does it in such a way where um, he's able to just kind of explore everything he does for it. It was It's incredible. And honestly, this movie, like when they're like on a day off, they, like, um, well, I'm wrong. Basically what happens is all that stuff. And during a day off, Cliff sees a young hitchhiker when he's driving Dalton's car because, um, well, Rick is... Like I said, he's an alcoholic, and he's been having too much, too many uh, drunk driving incidences. And uh, this last one, had him get his license revoked permanently, to the point where he's just he's he's done. He can't drive anymore, and Cliff has to drive him around now. So one day he's driving um, this little hitchhiker of sorts to George Spawn's ranch, and George Spawn back in the day used to be known to have uh, this huge ranch that was used for a lot of western TV shows and movies and whatnot as time slowly progressed he became blind and kind of deaf but not fully but this is also the same place that Charles Manson and his whole family kind of used to live back in the day especially during the Sharon Tate murders this is where they also uh, lived and kind of operated out of and they did some very fucked up things but that's beside the fact we're not going to talk about Charles Manson much more or less when he's driving the car he drives her home to the spawn he drives his hitchhiker to the spawn ranch and she insists that he stay and meet Charlie but both is kind of suspicious like well Cliff is kind of suspicious of them and he kind of meets the owner George he kind of notices that he once worked on it and he wants to meet with him and chat with him for a little bit but George doesn't remember him at all and yeah this is very much a hard thing for him to kind of bear witness to because he's seeing all these I guess uh, acolytes of Charles Manson living on this ranch without permission and they're basically just forcing George Spawn to just kind of have them, like, just basically have his hope. They live there with him in just such disgusting, just dirty, 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 like, conditions. And it's like, I'm surprised he didn't die of dysentery or something terrible like that. But he doesn't. He kind of keeps going and just keeps on trucking, more or less, sadly. But he... I think, I don't know when he died, but that's, again, beside the fact. He says on meeting them, and then one day, he's, like, well, when, um, uh, Cliff's returning to the truck, like, to the car, he sees that one of the tires has been popped by a knife, and he beats the guy that, um, is responsible for it, and makes him replace the tire. And the reason why he's doing this is because Cliff is a stunt double, and he's actually able to take a punch himself. He's able to take all kinds of crazy shit that's thrown at him. But this time, he's just saying, you know what, asshole? Fucking fix my boss's car or I'm going to beat the fuck out of you and you're going to fix it anyways. He refuses not to multiple times and then he starts to get his... Like, he gets beaten. Like, the the punk gets beaten by Cliff and Cliff, like, basically, for like, says to anyone, everyone else trying to, like, stop him from doing so, you come one more... Like, come any closer, I'm going to knock his teeth out and he's bloodied up and he's having to fix the tire anyways 
So that's the funny part about it. And then, like, when he returns the car, yada, yada, yada. And then, um, I guess one of them runs off to, one of the acolytes actually tries to run off to find a guy named Tex Watson to help figure it out. But by the time he gets there, he's already driving away. So it's not really that much of a big deal for him now that he's driving away and just doing what he needs to do. But, um, yeah, that's what happens. And then a day, like a day, like, um, having become a day player on a couple series is like a show called Lancer. Rick gets a, into a philosophical chat, acting as 18-year-old Method Actress co-star. And the same day, Rick just kind of says, you know what? I'm going to stay sober and clean, and I'm going to do this for this little girl. And he does it for the majority of that show. And what's funny, his agent, who I didn't even mention his agent. His agent was played by, I do believe, Al Pacino, who was uh, his character's name on this was uh, let me take a look his name was what was his name I'm looking right now I know his name was on here try to remember right now I know his name was on is in here because he played by Al Pacino and I think his name was if I look correctly I gotta look closely just give me a moment I think his name was I'm looking for Pacino Marvin Schwarz He's a Hollywood producer, and he becomes uh, Dalton's uh, agent basically later on, and the like. Basically, becomes that, and while he's doing that, he gets him onto these shows, and he just, you know what? Rick says, you know what? Screw it, I'm gonna get sober, and he kind of does a little bit more improvisation, improvisation. Sorry, sorry, I'm having a bit of a odd day, odd night tonight. Basically, that's what happens, and it's just. It's absolutely hilarious shit that goes on. But basically, after he gets on that show, Al's watching it after uh, Rick and Cliff go back to Rick's place in Hollywood Hills, and they're watching it. And they're like, and I guess Pacino's character, Marvin, just says, hey, some, like, I can't remember the name he's got. Like, I think it's meant to be, like, a... A haha on uh, Sergio Leone, I guess, because they don't really use his real name. They use something similar, and they get uh, Rick and Cliff to be on four Italian movies together. And when he comes back, he's eventually married, and it's like late. It's like maybe six months or so later. And basically, what happens is that he gets married. Like uh, Rick gets married, and Cliff is just kind of like whatever. He doesn't really care much about it, but. More or less, Rick and Cliff more or less agree. We need to, like, not really, like, he just says he can't hire, like, Rick says, you know what, old buddy, I can't hire you anymore. I'm sorry. But they said, you know what, as a friendship, let's go out one last night and get the fuck drunk. And through a flashback, when they get back to the house, through a flashback, they find, like, um, Cliff finds out that he hit an old acid-laden cigarette that was dipped in acid that he uses to smoke and then decided to walk his dog home, like do- walk with his dog home finds himself back at the house but now we'll get into that a little bit after but basically around 12 o'clock at night around August 8th 1969 this is when um, the Sharon Tamers were meant to have happened basically what happens is that 
like uh, Rick's making margaritas at night and he notices these hippies, I guess the Manson Acolytes, invade the area and he's like, this is fucking private property, get at the fuck out of here. Also, call the cops, motherfucker. Uh, you, do, you do some shit like that and they so-called leave, they don't actually leave, leave, but they decide to just kind of like say, okay, we won't cause any problems, we'll just go. And when they do that, they just park the car at the bottom of the driveway and decide to just keep going and actually say, you know what? Fuck this guy. I, I remember him from TV. We're going to kill him and kill the other people that we're meant to kill ourselves. And uh, more or less, I guess Cliff finds himself because he's high on ass. He thinks he's back at his house. He finds himself back at Rick's. Decides to help make some doll, like, um, help to, like, decides to, uh, feed his dog, and, well, basically, he decides to feed his dog, and what happens after that is that the acolytes of the Manson family decide to invade, home invade, and one of them has a gun on him, that would be Tex, if I recall correctly, basically, he has a gun on him, the other two just have knives, and, uh, more or less, since... Cliff's got the dog, and Rick's out in the back just listening to music while kind of a little tipsy. He's a little toasted. He's just listening to music, hanging out in the pool like he has. I haven't really mentioned that a little bit, but he does that a lot in the movie. But basically, that's what happens, and while he's doing that, he doesn't really know what's going on. But uh, more or less, when one of them tries to charge at him, he decides to get um, his dog to attack the other and more or less one of them also goes off, runs off and chases after Rick's wife and gets her into the mess. And more or less, like, uh, all this shit goes on. Like, the dog is, like, hit, like, just going ape shit on the, on two of the home invaders. Well, one of them also is, like, just blind as a bat, running around like an idiot. Can't see shit. And once they, once she breaks through the glass and runs in the pool... Like, Rick kind of freaks out, doesn't know what the fuck's going on. He freaks out, and he's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. I'm grabbing my flamethrower from that movie set. He uses it to more or less torch the chick who ran out and just basically just burns her alive. Just burns her into, like, a shish kebab. Just literally makes her into a goddamn barbecued piece of pork. Like, literally. Like, it is brutal but like this is one of the only times in the movie one of the few like where there's actually a lot of fucking action going on because in the in the movie it's not much of an action movie it's more of like um it's more of a comedy drama this movie but you know what this is tarantino actually changing it up because most of the time he always does shit that's funny but like this shit had me fucking howling for the fucking moon laughing like this is maybe the first time I've ever watched a Tarantino film and I'm like fucking clapping halfway through this shit and laughing my ass off like I laugh my ass off at a lot of Tarantino's lines as much as I shouldn't be because a lot of them are just very very sick jokes like for example Reservoir Dogs um, jokes are like I, I don't want to mention them out loud, but one of them is like, we got Madonna's big dick coming to my left ear, and then there's a racial slur coming from Har- like Harvey K- 
Keitel's character in that movie coming into my right. And it's just like, God damn, I love him for doing, I love Tarantino for this. But at the same time, it's set in a time where he's allowed to get away with this shit. But he doesn't actually do what he does. And I know what really bugs me is how this was going to go down from what I remember originally. This movie was going to be a whole lot different. Because I remember it was going to evolve a little bit more around the Sharon Tate murders. And it was going to have um, the guy that plays Bruce Lee actually do a little bit more of an investigative uh, bit to it. And actually have it so when he finds out what's going on that Rick and Cliff would kind of be more involved as well with that. But that didn't happen. Which kind of bugs me a little bit because I kind of would like to see Bruce Lee kind of investigating what happened to his best like to someone he actually cared for. But yeah, I actually love this movie. Like this is one of the only times I'll ever fucking if I was to use my old scale for the TV, sh- the anime Cowboy Bebop, I would do so. And this movie would get a 10,000 out of 10,000 on that Wo- Wulong scale. But I'm not going to. I'm going to go with the 4 out of 5 stars. I'm going to go from 1 to 5 stars. This movie for me, if this is, because I love Tarantino. I may be biased, but I love his work. I always have and I always will. This movie for me, hands down, because it's I hate to be... I'm putting the level up pretty high there. It's getting a solid 5 out of 5 stars for me. I would never, ever give this movie to something I hated. I would never give that rating to something I hated. I'd probably give that maybe a 3 or a 2. But since this is Tarantino, I'm biased in that sense. I know I am. But I'm putting that bias aside. And just in general, this movie is a fucking solid 5 for me. And... More or less, this movie is incredible. Like he, like I said, he basically barbecues the chick, and um, more or less when, um, yeah, he burn, he does that, and Cliff, who I guess got stabbed in part of the scenes. Okay, I'm fucking up. But basically, whatever. This is this is a new podcast for me. I'm doing how I want. More or less, he does that. He gets like. Cliff gets stabbed by like into the thigh, right around the hip. So he's he's wounded pretty bad, but he's still stand. He's kind of standing a little bit before he passes out from, I'm guessing blood loss. I'm not sure, but he does that. He gets he's able to help Rick and his wife get these fuckers all like get the people off his back and. Yeah, what he does, he does that, and then for the very first, like, and then Sharon Tate and, uh, what's her, what's his name? I'm trying to remember right now. One of the people that he's talking, like, um, yeah, Dalton strikes up a conversation with Sharon Tate's friend, Jay Sebring, who's actually an ex-boyfriend of Sharon Tate in real life. He's just striking conversation saying, hey, are you okay? He's like, yeah. Some hippies tried to, like, tried to kill me and my wife and my best friend and he's like are you okay yeah i'm okay the hippies aren't they're all dead and he's just striking conversation and then on the intercom i guess because they're in a gated spot in the community like sharon asks who is that uh jay is everything okay oh yeah i'm just talking to rick rick dalton it's like and she's like really you're talking to rick dalton like yeah tell him to come on up 
like uh, Rick says, yeah, I'd love to come on up, and they just start to strike a conversation, and realistically, that's where the movie ends. And what's funny is that they don't show the title in this movie until the very end. That is the first time I've ever seen Quentin ever do that. And you know what? I'm going to give this movie my rating again for my final thoughts. This is where anyone that didn't want to listen to me just ramble on for 20 plus minutes to talk about this movie because I'm going to kind of ramble on a little bit more with my final thoughts. Probably this is going to be a half hour podcast, so it's going to be a little bit more than I normally do. But this is a min- this is a confessional for me. So my final thoughts are this movie gets a five out of five. And for me to confess my sins is more like this is where I would call this the confessional part. Really, this is me just adoring what I know from Quentin. This is probably the first time he's done a movie where there's very little violence. Very little. This is a movie that I expected it to just kind of be just balls to the wall. Like, maybe... I thought it was going to be like Kill Bill or even Inglorious Bastards levels of violence or even Django Unchained levels. But this is the first time I've ever seen Quentin at his finest. And this is probably going to be his final work, like final bit of work. He will give us a 10th film. I know that. I'll go see that again in theaters. This is a movie I'm going to say, if I go see it, I'm fucking repeating views on this fucker. Literally. Like, I am that, like, just, absolutely just, yeah. This movie was incredible. If I had to confess how many times I love Quentin Tarantino, it would probably be the amount of times I could probably quote the beginning of Reservoir Dogs, honestly. And that is just, that's a talent for me. I'm able to quote the hell out of the beginning of Reservoir Dogs. And I'm able to quote it from beginning to end, like, until the... The music from Reservoir Dogs, Little Green Bag by the George Baker Selection starts to play. And that is a talent. That is me knowing and memorizing every single line. This is me confessing my love to Tarantino. I'm gonna be doing a lot of, I'm gonna do some retrospective movie reviews every so often. These will be movies that I love. Or maybe movies that have just come out. In theaters, I'll probably do them for that as well. I don't know when, I'm gonna do these for each movie I've seen, I'll do a retrospective. This is going to be a new. This is going to be an occasional podcast. So when, if and like when, the BWAP files kind of end, this will be another series that'll have to be an ongoing thing. So once that ends, this will be an ongoing ep- like podcast. So this will be completely brand new, spanking new, just whatever fresh as hell podcast if you want to watch this movie you can like i said you can skip to the end around the 25 minute mark or so 24 25 minute mark of me chatting about this movie and you can go ahead and just listen to me again five out of five stars this movie cannot do anything wrong this movie is gonna be giving i'm gonna give it every single award it deserves from Quentin, like for Quentin because you know what? We may never get another Quentin Tarantino movie after this that'll be just as good if it, if not better. And you know what? I'm sorry to say it guys, but I love Tarantino. Like I mentioned probably 
20 times now. I love him. He is one of my heroes. He's someone I want to meet. But you know what? It may never happen. If it does, I want to be able to say thank you so very much for getting me into the film industry. But that's another story for a different day. That's another podcast for a different day. I am going to also say this podcast will be something that will be an every so often thing. Not the Bebop Files. The Bebop Files are going to be every Wednesday. And only on the rare occasion will it be when there's two parters. I will do them simultaneously. But I'll do one on the Wednesday and then I'll do one on the Saturday. More or less this is just me broadcasting my thoughts on Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. A great movie by Quentin Tarantino, which I will never forget seeing for the very first time. What I'm going to do right now is I'm going to wrap up my final thoughts. And I'm going to say to you guys, if you are a fan of Tarantino, you must see this movie. I don't care when you see it. I don't care if you had to bring your mother along or your best friend's wife or whomever you go see it with, even if you go see it alone. Go see it. You will not want to miss this movie in theaters, if I'm honest. If you miss it in theaters, that's fine. That's not a big deal. I feel like you're going to be doing a bit of a disservice to yourself. But who am I to judge? I'm not a ju- I'm not one to judge you. I'm giving you the midnight confessional. It is not really midnight now, but by the time this, com- this pops up on every other broadcasting station where this would be, where whether it's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts at, this will be up there real soon. And this is me confessing my midnight sins on the midnight movie confessional on the movie Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I hope you all have had an amazing time listening to me ramble on for 30 minutes. But it is time for me to wrap up same, say Hail Mary for you and say our, our, uh, yeah, say Hail Mary for you and quite frankly, sign off. This is Scott Betson for the Midnight Movie Confessionals. Good night, everyone. Good night.